Hello, my friends. This is Nikki. Welcome to Learning About the Lord. This is episode 35. And today we're going to learn about the cure of a blind man at Capernaum. And we are reading from Maria Valtorta's Poem of the Man God, Volume 1. Peter is on the shore with Andrew, arranging the fishing baskets and nets in his boat, and sorting the seats and coils of rope. He is preparing everything to go fishing, and Andrew is helping him. Jesus asks his apostle, Will you have a good haul? The weather is right, the water is calm, says Peter. It will be clear moonlight. The fish will come to the surface from the bottom, and my net will drag them. Jesus asks, Are we going by ourselves? Oh, Master, says Peter, how could we manage by ourselves with this type of net? I have never gone fishing, and I expect to be taught by you, says Jesus. See, Master, this is what we do, says Peter. I go out beside the boat of James of Zebedee, and we go thus to the right point, both boats together. Then we lower the net. We hold one end. You said you wanted to hold it. Yes, says Jesus, if you tell me what I have to do. Oh, says Peter, you only have to watch it going down. It must be lowered slowly, without making any knots, very slowly, because we will be in a fishing area, and any harsh movement may drive the fish away. And Peter goes on to explain all the basics on how to catch fish. And then he continues and he says, Please, Master, be careful. It is our daily bread. Keep an eye on the net. That jolts may not turn it over. The fish fight for their freedom with strong strokes of their tails. And if there is a lot of them, you will understand. They are small things, but if ten, one hundred, a thousand get together, they become as strong as Leviathan. And Jesus says, the same happens with sins, Peter. After all, one fault is not irretrievable. But if one is not careful in controlling oneself, and one adds fault to fault, at the end a little fault, perhaps a single omission or a simple weakness, becomes bigger and bigger. It becomes a habit. It becomes a capital vice. At times one starts with a lustful glance and ends up by committing adultery. At times, while simply lacking charity when speaking to a relative, one ends up by doing violence to one's neighbor. Never, never allow faults to increase in gravity and in numbers. If you wish to avoid trouble, they become dangerous and overbearing like the infernal snake himself and will drag you down into hell. What you say is right, Master, says Peter, but we are so weak. And Jesus answers, Care and prayer are necessary to become strong and obtain help, together with a strong will not to sin, and you must have full trust in the loving justice of the Father. Do you think he will not be too severe with poor Simon? asks Simon Peter. He might have been severe with the old Simon, says Jesus, but with my Peter, with the new man, the man of his Christ, no, Peter, he will not. He loves you and will love you. And what about me? asks Andrew. You too, Andrew, and John, James, Philip, and Nathaniel as well. You are the first chosen by me. Will there be any more? There is your cousin, and in Judea, asks Peter. 
Oh, there will be many more, says Jesus. My kingdom is open to all mankind, and I solemnly tell you that my hall in the nights of centuries will be more plentiful than your richest one, because every century is one night in which not the pure light of Orion or of the sailing moon will be the guide and light of mankind, but the word of Christ and the grace he will bestow. A night that will become the dawn of a day with no sunset, and of a light in which all the faithful will live, and will be the dawn of a sunshine that will make all the chosen resplendent, beautiful, happy, forever, even like gods, minor gods, children of God the Father, and like me. It is not possible for you to understand now, but I solemnly tell you that your Christian life will cause you to resemble your Master, and you will shine in heaven with his signs. So notwithstanding the envious malice of Satan and the weak will of man, my hall will be more plentiful than yours. Here Jesus is talking about the new earth, the new heaven, the new earth, where we all live in the true life in God. Uh, this is another very, very, very important source of information that you should involve yourselves in. It's called The True Life in God, and it is written by Jesus, the Virgin Mary, the Holy Spirit, and God the Father, and copied down by Vasula Raiden. And this is another series of lessons that I will be teaching in another section of Learning About the Lord. But for now, we'll continue with our Maria Valtorta. And Peter asks Jesus, But shall we be your only apostles? Are you jealous, Peter? asks Jesus. No, don't be. Others will come, and in my heart there will be love for everybody. Don't be avaricious, Peter. You do not yet know who loves you. Have you ever counted the stars or the stones in the depth of the lake? No, you could not. And even less you would be able to count the loving throbs of which my heart is capable. Have you ever been able to count how many times this lake kisses the shore with its waves in the course of twelve moons? No, you would never be able to do so, and even less you would be able to count the loving waves that my heart pours out to kiss men. Be sure of my love. Peter takes Jesus' hand and kisses it. He is deeply moved. Jesus says to Andrew, I love you very much too. In the hour of your dawn, without having to lift your eyes, you will see your Jesus reflected in the vault of heaven, and he will be smiling at you to say to you, I love you, come, and your passing away at dawn will be sweeter than entering a nuptial room. Simon, Simon, Andrew, I am here, I am coming, calls John. He is rushing towards them, panting. Oh, Master, have I kept you waiting? Peter says, to tell you the truth, I was beginning to think you were no longer coming. Get your boat ready quickly. And James? Well, says John, we are late because of a blind man. He thought Jesus was in our house and he came there. We said to him, He is not here. Perhaps he will cure you tomorrow. Just wait. But he did not want to wait. James said to him, You have been waiting so long to see the light. What does it matter if you have to wait another night? but he will not listen to reason. John, says Jesus, if you were blind, would you be anxious to see your mother? Well, most certainly, says John. 
Well then, says Jesus, where is the blind man? He is coming with James. He got hold of his mantle and will not let it go. But he is coming very slowly because the shore is covered with stones and he stumbles against them. Master, will you forgive me for being hard, implores John. Yes, I will, says Jesus. But to make amends, go and help the blind man and bring him to me. John runs away. Peter shakes his head but does not say anything. He looks at the sky which is becoming blue after being a deep copper hue. He looks at the lake and the other boats which are already out fishing and he sighs. Simon, says Jesus, Master, do not be afraid, says Jesus. You will have a good haul even if you are the last one to go out. Also this time, asks Peter, every time you are charitable, God will grant you the grace of abundance, says Jesus. They bring the blind man forward. He kneels down. My Lord, have mercy on me, he cries. Do you want to see, asks Jesus. Stand up. How long have you been blind? For seven years, Lord. Before I could see well, and I worked. I was a blacksmith at Caesarea on the sea. I was doing well. The harbor, the good trading, they always needed me for one job or another. But while striking a piece of iron to make an anchor, and you can imagine how red-hot it was to be pliable, a splinter came off and burnt my eye. My eyes were already sore because of the heat of the forge. I lost the wounded eye, and also the other one became blind after three months. I have finished all my savings, and now I live on charity." Are you alone? asks Jesus. I am married with three little children, says the blind man. I have not even seen the face of one of them, and I have an old mother, and yet she and my wife earn a little bread, and with what they earn and the alms I take home, we manage not to starve. If I were cured, I would go back to work. All I ask for is to be able to work like a good Israelite, and thus feed those I love. And you came to me, says Jesus. Who told you? A leper who was cured by you at the foot of Mount Tabor, says the blind man. And who's he talking about? He's talking about Simon Zelot. Remember, Jesus cured him, and then told him to spread the word, and talk about his cure, his miracle, in order to bring more people to Jesus. What did he tell you? asks Jesus, that you can do everything, that you are the health of bodies and of souls, that you are a light for souls and bodies, because you are the light of God. He, although a leper, had dared to mingle with the crowd at the risk of being stoned, all enveloped in his mantle, because he had seen you passing by on the way to the mountain, and your face had kindled hope in his heart. He said to me, I saw something in that face that whispered to me, There is health there. Go. And I went. Then he repeated your speech to me, and he told me that you cured him, touching him with your hand, without any disgust. He was coming back from the priest after his purification. I knew him. I had done some work for him when he had a store at Caesarea. I came asking for you in every town and village. Now I have found you. Have mercy on me. I just want to point out here 
to notice that the road to find Jesus can be long and difficult. Imagine doing it blind, as so many metaphorically are, but with persistence you can prevail, and with faith and love you will be rewarded. Now we continue with our reading. Jesus says, Come, the light is still too bright for one coming out of darkness. Are you going to cure me then? The blind man asks. Jesus takes him to Peter's house. In the dim light of the kitchen garden, he places him in front of himself in such a position that his cured eyes may not see, as first sight, the lake still sparkling with light. The man looks like a very docile child, and he obeys without asking questions. Father, says Jesus, your light to this son of yours. Jesus has stretched his hands over the head of the kneeling man. He remains in that attitude for a moment. He then moistens the tips of his fingers with saliva, and with his right hand he touches lightly the open but lifeless eyes. A moment. Then the man blinks, rubs his eyelids as if he were awakening from sleep, and his eyes were dimmed. What do you see? asks Jesus. Oh, 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 eternal God, I think, I think, oh, that I can see. I see your mantle. It's red, isn't it? And a white hand and a woolen belt. Oh, good Jesus, I can see better and better the more I get used to seeing. There is the grass of the earth, and that is certainly a wall, and there is a vine. Stand up, my friend, says Jesus. The man who is crying and laughing stands up, and after a moment's hesitation, between respect and desire, he lifts his face and meets Jesus' eyes, Jesus smiling, full of merciful love. It must be beautiful to recover your sight and see that face as the first thing. The man gives a scream and stretches his arms. It is an instinctive action, but he controls himself. But Jesus opens his arms and draws to himself the man who is much lower than he. Go home now, he says, and be happy and just. Go with my peace. Master, master, cries the man. Lord, Jesus, holy, blessed. The light, I see, I see everything. There is the blue lake, the clear sky, the setting sun, and then the horns of the waxing moon. But it is in your eyes that I see the most beautiful and clear blue, and in you I see the beauty of the most real sun and the chaste light of the blessed moon. You are the star of those who suffer, the light of the blind, the living, active mercy. I am the light of souls, says Jesus. Be a son of the light. Yes, Jesus, always, says the man. Every time I close my reborn eyes, I will renew my oath. May you and the Most High be blessed. Blessed be the Most High Father, says Jesus. Go. And the man goes away happy, sure of himself, while Jesus and the dumbfounded apostles get into two boats and begin their navigation maneuvers. I want to talk a little bit about the point that Jesus made about sins, adding upon sins, adding upon sins, and becoming greater and greater. 
This is something very, very important that we have to guard ourselves against. When we find that we're walking on the straight road and we take one step to the right and we don't correct our path, then little by little, after that one step, we'll be walking in a vector away from the first true road that we were on. And we'll go so far that when we look back and we see how far away we are from the, the true moral road, we'll realize that it's awfully hard to get back again. It's not impossible by any means, but it'll take much more work, many more obstacles, and it is a much greater difficulty. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about keeping to a moral truth, keeping to a virtuous life, keeping honest, keeping true to God's principles, not taking an incorrect step and then another and another until suddenly your life has changed and become immoral and non-virtuous and you're no longer on the road to God. Life is an obstacle course already and the end of the obstacle course is heaven. You need all the strength you can get, all the help from God, all the faith, all the hope, all the determination to stay on the moral path. If you tell a lie and you get away with it, you think, hmm, that's not so bad. Maybe I'll tell another lie and another lie and I'll gain advantages to myself. But in the end, you'll see that you're very far from the truth where you first began. And it's very hard to get back. You're now on a path that doesn't lead to God. It's a path controlled by the devil drawing you further and further away from the, the way towards God. So the important thing is to keep a close eye on yourself. And if you've stepped away and you've told your lie and you got away with it, now you have to catch yourself, admit what you've done, repent, confess, and then make retribution. Okay, make, um, make your way back to your original path, your path of truth, the way, the light, the life, the truth, back to God. You know, be ashamed of choosing to sin. Use that shame and humility to reduce your pride and come back with your head bowed in obedience to God and say, I'm really sorry, Lord. I feel ashamed of myself that I did that. Please forgive me. I will pray harder, I will work harder, I will make amends for what I did, and I want to come back to the true path. And that's what you have to do every single day of your life. You have to choose not to sin. You have to choose to stay on your moral path. And the strength that you gain from God to keep on that path is second nature. It becomes second nature to you. It becomes your strength. You become like God. Not like God in the sense that we are gods. But when God says become like God, he means follow my example of the virtues that I want you to have. Then you will be like me. And God admits into heaven those who resemble him, those who are like him, those who are kind, those who are honest, those who are forgiving, those who do not lust, do not steal, do not kill. All right, it's 
the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Follow the Ten Commandments and follow the virtues of the Rosary. We'll have a lesson on the Rosary where we really learn what the Rosary is all about. It's about teaching us the virtues that God wants to see in us. And he uses the life of Jesus and Mary as examples to show us these are the virtues that Jesus had. These are the virtues that the Virgin Mary had. These are the virtues he wants his children to have. That's us. And so as we learn to practice these virtues, we become more and more like God. So I thank you very much for joining me for this lesson. I hope you got a lot out of it. I think it's a very important one. We'll speak of these issues again. Please join me again next time for episode 36. Go with God.